Hey guys, welcome to the Appreciating Power podcast. Today I've got an amazing young entrepreneur, 26 years old. Um, his name is Abiel Asmar from Canada. So, and, and there's a reason why I wanted to bring in someone that's from the UK, from international world, because he's got so much value to offer. Um, you know, he's done extremely well with his agency, Practice Fuel. We specialize in healthcare and gener generating leads or business for the healthcare market. He's also created a niche mentoring program for Muslim entrepreneurs that. Uh, again, he's really gone in niche within this business rather than having broad. So I want to dive in deep into that. But I think generally the conversation that we've had over the past week and getting to know him, I think he's he's got so much value to offer. But more importantly, he has a heart behind it. So, Abby, welcome. I really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, how you doing? Thank you so much, man. I'm happy to be here, brother. It's an honor. Uh, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to dive into this, man. Let's do it. So, so just so just for everyone, just so the for everyone's context, how did you get started into business? What was the you know what was the reason of you jumping into business from such a young age? Bro, I'll tell you, it's a, it's actually a really funny story, man. Uh, it all my first venture, kind of like you know when you dip your foot in the water to kind of dip your toe in the water to see the temperature. That's my venture was I was 16 years old. I was in high school and. I have a bunch of older brothers and sisters. We're a huge family. We're six in total, so I have five siblings. And um, my older brother, my oldest brother and sister started having kids. And I had all these nephews and nieces that wanted to be entertained. Um, and back then, like there was no regulations on YouTube. And you know, you could kind of go on there, you could follow on a kid's video one minute and then like an adult video the next. And it wasn't really convenient to kind of put your kid in front of the computer and entertain them. So I thought, well, there has to be a better way to do this. And I'm like, all right, why don't I create a solution for this? And I had created like a small website, which is just kind of like videos for children and nursery rhymes and kids videos. And it actually started getting traffic. Like people actually started going on this website and using it. And unfortunately, being a 16-year-old, I quickly got distracted uh, with other things and I stopped working on it. But that was really like my first venture into business. And it was an exciting one, man, because I realized like, wow, you can just create something. You can put it out there. And... If, if people need it, if it actually fulfills a need in the market, if it provides a solution, people will use it. So that was really interesting for me. And that was really my first discovery uh, and, and kind of the first time I dived into this world, man. You know, typically when creating something new, especially a business, people have a lot of fears, insecurities, um, just hesitation in terms of doing something. Did you have any of that? Uh, definitely not when I started when I was 16, but then when I started again, uh, my second time a lot more seriously, and I would say that's closer to kind of college when I was 19, 20, I was like, all right, I'm going to create a website this time and it's going to be huge. It's going to be all about like smartphone troubleshooting and support. And I really wanted to grow that and, and run traffic to it. That was my really first real business. That's when I like these insecurities and, and these kind of these doubts came in. Because when you're really trying to go at it and trying to make a living or trying to make money out of it, that's when you feel like you kind of have something on the line and you feel that need to perform right and i mean as human beings we constantly doubt ourselves and we, and we doubt our ability to achieve and we need to be reminded from others and by ourselves that we can do it it just it's just a matter of putting in the work and having the right guidance if you have these two key elements then there's no way you'll fail you you've in your business and your agency you've picked a niche and you've gone for the healthcare market why why would that market uh, and and what is it why is what you do so valuable for them well the reason why i chose the healthcare market specifically i'll be honest it was more of a strategic choice 
uh, than anything else because as an agency, I really wanted to position my services in a way where we could be a business that charged very high prices, but I worked with a select few number of clients, but that really delivered an outstanding amount of work and, and, and the value that we delivered, I want it to be extremely high quality. And there's a select few local businesses that would be able to afford this type of service. Now, I, I thought about, I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe I could go for bakeries or restaurants and these type of businesses, but generally, I mean, your, your local mom and pop shop, they're, they're already kind of struggling when it comes to budget and things like that. And they don't have the means to hire like a high level agency to just kind of up their brand and, and bring them more business. They're usually worried about their budget and things and, and they might be more averse to hiring. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I know other marketers that are in those industries and they're doing fine, but just because of the brand that I wanted to build, I need to think, okay, this is kind of a brand that's going to be high level, high class. It's going to charge high ticket prices. What kind of market is ready to buy this type of service and ben and what kind of market can benefit from it the most? And when I really thought about it and, and did my research, I found that there's so many healthcare professionals. And when I say healthcare professionals, we don't work with, with doctors, like doctors are, are already flooded in Canada. We work with healthcare professionals that are in really subset type of niches. So like we're working with like physiotherapists, with naturopaths, with chiropractors, um, with nutritionists. So these, these healthcare professionals that they start up a business, but then they need patients coming in, right? They don't have an influx of patients unless they actually market themselves and put themselves out there. And, but we know once we get them, these patients, these patients are high value. They pay a lot of money for these services. And so it makes sense in terms of ROI. Like if we bring them a few patients in, they're going to get the return on investment, even though we charge high ticket prices. And so it was really a, a strategic maneuver where I thought about what kind of business I wanted to build, what kind of prices that I want to charge, what kind of service that I want to offer. And then what market, what customer would be the best fit for these services that could benefit the most, that can afford what I was trying to do. And that's pretty much why I started with Healthcare Man. And in regards to funnels, why funnels? Why do you feel like it, right now it's one of the most effective tools? I, I, again, I'm guessing you do funnels for them as well. So sure. why is that the most effective tool for them? And why is it an effective tool for any business? Honestly, it's all about simplicity. You see, the thing about businesses is, and I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so I can relate. We tend to overcomplicate things. Uh, when it comes to achieving any goal, we need to. We think that we need a million things to do it. We need a million things to get new leads. We need a million things in place to get a new customer in the door. But the truth is, all we need to do is just capture a tiny piece of information and then reach out. And that's what Funnels is all about. It's all about giving people an incentive to give you some sort of information. And usually that's going to be their email, their name, or their phone number. And instead of taking them to a website where you have your homepage and your services and your contact info and a million other pages where they can get lost and, and distracted and end up reading a million things they don't need to, you just want them to do one thing. You know that I want to get a customer. I have this service. I'm trying to find people who can benefit from it. To be able to do this, I just want to know who's interested. And the easiest way to do that is tell people, hey, listen, we offer this service. Here's a, an awesome promotion we have going on. If this interests you, give us your email and we'll reach out with more information. And that's really the simplest way. And that's one of what a funnel is about. It's one page. There's nothing on it except what it is that you're offering and then a box to have them put their name, email, or number. So you're, it's the easiest way to capture leads. There's no distractions, nothing else. It's all focused on 
just getting the person to give you some information so you can then reach out, nurture that lead and convert them into a client. And I feel that's really the most efficient way to do this. And when it comes to when it comes to sort of nurturing that lead, what are some of the, the tactics that you guys use to, to nurture those leads? Yeah, man. So a really great way to nurture leads is right now there's so much in terms of systems and software that can really help you automate the whole process. So it's not like before where you kind of really had to call people constantly and, and text message and, and just stay on your phone all day. There's systems that can help you uh, by pretty much automate, automating the entire process for you, right? So let's say you're a local business, um, just like we do for our healthcare clients. When we get them leads, that information right away gets sent to a software that we use, and that software is going to automatically send them text messages, and it's going to nurture them and tell them, all right, thank you for signing up. Here's our hours. Here's when you can call, and here's more information about services, and then it's going to try to start a conversation. And the only time that our clients get notified is if these leads actually reply or show some additional sign of interest, because the first level of interest is giving their information. But then I'm sure anyone in business, um, and I know you also deal with a lot of real estate and realtors and in any industry, once you get that email, it's not a guarantee or that number, it's not a guarantee that that person's gonna convert, right? There's a lot of nurturing, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a process in between that people don't usually talk about. And that's really the nurturing process to build that relationship with the person, with that lead to become a client. And there are softwares that can automate that for you. So what we do is we send that information to a software. It will automatically send these people text messages, phone calls, emails over a number of days. And only when these people reply, when these leads will reply, be like, all right, yes, I'm interested. When can you schedule me? That's when we notify the client. They hop on the call with them and they get them scheduled. So our clients are only contacting the most interested leads, the ones that are red hot, the ones that are ready to buy and the others are just automatically being nurtured. So if you are in a process or in a business where you have to nurture leads and you're sitting there text messaging every single one and calling every single one every time, you're wasting a lot of time and manpower and you can automate the entire process. There's a ton of software and tools that can help you do this. Do you guys use ads as a way to initially get that attention? Is that a key part of the strategy when it comes to getting that attention or getting people to see that landing page in the first place? For sure. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people that advocate for organic strategies, right? Like these like door to door, or we, we call it so-called guerrilla marketing, right? Like you're out there, you're giving flyers and you're, you're telling people and you're garnering referrals. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I still think it's a very essential, essential part of doing business an essential way of doing business. But because right now you have the ability to get your message out there to thousands and thousands of people with the click of a button, it just doesn't make sense for you not to take advantage of that. So I definitely think that on top of all of these organic strategies, every single business should be running ads in some shape or form. Even if it's just $5 a day, I mean, for only $5 a day on Facebook, you can be showing your ad, your business, your service to hundreds and hundreds of people in your local community. And you're probably gonna get a lot of interest just by doing that because you're putting it out there, right? And really the, the most essential thing in business is tell people, about what you do, tell people about your service. The more people know about you, the more people will actually be interested in working with you. And so I think ads are definitely, I mean, one of the most efficient ways to do this. And it's crazy not to take advantage of it, even if it's just at a minimal level, like $5 a day, if that's all you can do, then do it. And trust me, you'll see results. 
what are some of the key sort of advice you can give for anyone setting up ads? Because I don't use that. That's not my area and that's not my scene. But when it comes sure. to ads, it's a weak point for me. So what are some of the advice that you can give to anyone, any business owner that wants to, you know, utilize that? What advice would you give to them? For sure, man. Uh, well, I would say, look, if you're just getting started, the easiest, simplest way, I mean, forget about all these crazy strategies that other marketers and, and, and you might find on online about telling you to record a million videos and create a complicated webinar and a complex funnel, all that, you really need to do one thing and one thing only. And it's just tell people about your service. Just tell people that this is us. This is what we do. This is why we're awesome. This is why our clients love us. And if you're interested to learn more, if you think this benefits you, then give us your name and email or name and number. We'll reach out and tell you more and, and we'll see if we can help you. So that's really the simplest way. So just to go on Facebook, you open up the ads manager or even just your Facebook page and you can boost the post. So for people who even find like the ads manager in Facebook complicated, you can go on your Facebook page and just write a post that talks about your services. And I would say include a few things, include who you are, what you do, why you do it, and a few client testimonials. Like this is why our clients love us. This is what this is what they have to say about us. So pretty much just a little mini resume of your business. And then Facebook is gonna give you the option to boost that post. And you can click on boost post and choose where you want that post to show up. So you can say, okay, I want it to only show up within a five mile radius of my local business, or I only want this post to show up for people in Texas or in Montreal or in London, whatever city you're in. So you really have all the options and all you need to do is write a post on your Facebook page, click on boost post, put $5 a day as a budget, choose who you want to see it, and I'm sure you'll get results. And that's the best way to get started. Yeah, go for there's it. Whole, there's this whole sort of myth on Facebook, and, and I think I've experienced this myself when we've been doing ads. In one Facebook, I feel like Facebook is always trying to take your money, and I and it doesn't give me the reach or the engagement that I need. Am I doing something wrong, or is it the fact that Facebook is is very much changing its algorithms of changing its approach to ads? For sure, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm happy you bring that up. So I'll be honest. I mean, there is a strategy when it comes to getting results on Facebook, right? So the most important part, first of all, is to put yourself out there. And a lot of people just by doing that, they might not do it right. So I would say the most essential thing is if Facebook didn't work for you, it's not because Facebook doesn't work. It's because you weren't able to really position your business and your services in a way that really resonated with your audience. And so you need to find out, okay, that didn't resonate. Why didn't it resonate? And what can I change in terms of the wording, in terms of how I position my services, how I position my business, maybe even the image or the video or the headline, what can I change to really see if I can create something else that will resonate with my audience? So usually when ads don't work, when, when, when you're paying for this advertisement on Facebook, a lot of people that I talk to be like, I tried Facebook ads before and they don't work. Well, that's, that's not true. Facebook ads work for anyone. The only important thing that you need to remember is if it didn't work for you, it means your audience didn't resonate with whatever it is that you put out and which is completely normal if you're just getting started and you need to find out what it is that they do resonate with. And a really easy way to do that, that I encourage every business owner to do if they're not doing already is to constantly survey your customers, which means to constantly ask them, why, are, why did you choose to do business with us? Why did you choose me over X or Y competitor? And what do you like most about our service? And when you 
find out these things from your customers, which usually most of the time are very different from what you think is the reason. Like we think, okay, people work with us because of uh, our branding and because you know we're so awesome when it comes to this specific thing. But usually your customers will be like, no, it's be just because I, I like the way that you spoke to me or I like the way that you, um, you know, you talked to me when we had our first meeting, something very simple, right? And you can be like, okay, well, how can I leverage that to get more people in the door, to get more people to get attracted to this business? And that's the easiest way to do it. So survey your customers. If you had a bad experience with that, survey your customers to find out what they liked about your business, why they did business with you, and then use that in your ads to get more customers. So it's always about strategy. It's never about the ads themselves. What can I do to resonate with my audience? Is, is it important to pick a niche? Now, we know we've picked niches within our businesses, but is it really important, not just for an ad, but generally a business in general? Is it important for us to pick a niche? And why is that such an advantage? That's a really, really good question, man. Um, I would say that it's the right now, the only way to do business in 2020 is to pick a niche. And the reason is, we all know this. I'm sure we've all felt it before. I don't want to be the guy that says the market is getting flooded, but the market is getting flooded. And I'm, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think it's a great mm -hmm. thing. And I think we need more Muslim or, or even just entrepreneurs in general. I, I said Muslim by reflex because that's who I coach, but just, we just need more entrepreneurship in general, Muslim or non-Muslim, just people to go out there and start businesses and, and give value in their own way, what they can provide to the world and to people. Right. And when it comes to a situation like this, where you have people starting businesses and you constantly have, entrepreneurs who have different ideas and different services and maybe even let's say other realtors or other marketers in my industry when i talk to a client the what really puts me at an advantage for why i chose a niche is when i go up to these healthcare clients and i tell them we are an agency that only works with healthcare professionals and here are all of our past client testimonials and they are all healthcare professionals just like yourself they are much more likely to resonate with that and work with me and trust me because I am an industry insider versus another marketer who might come up and say, hey, we market for every local business and here's another baker who got awesome results. Here's a restaurant that got awesome mm -hmm. results. Here's a car dealership that got awesome results. Well, that healthcare professional is gonna choose to work with me, the agency for healthcare professionals versus a generalist. And it's kind of like the same thing when we think of even something as simple as kind of going to the hospital. And usually when you go to the hospital, the first thing you see is a doctor, right? And, and, and doctors kind of see a bit of everyone and they do a little bit of everything. But then let's say you have a very specific issue, right? Like you have something like, okay, well, I have a stomach problem or I have uh, back pain. I need, to, I need to see someone specific for this. You'll go, you'll see the chiropractor for your back pain or you'll see uh, maybe a gut specialist for your stomach. These specialists, you tend number number one, they tend to be paid a lot more for what they do because they specialize in one thing. Like a brain surgeon is going to get paid a lot more than a generalist doctor because he's specifically doing surgery and it's high level surgery. And it's one thing he's done and he's mastered it. Right. So there's now I know I'm kind of like going in a lot of different directions. And, and the reason is there's so many reasons to pick a niche and to not get ahead of myself. I'm going to, I'm going to really try to break it down into three reasons. Number one is, being a specialist always gets you more money than being a generalist, right? So specializing in one thing means you get to charge more as a specialist than someone that just comes in and does everything, right? Like when you have, when you, another example, let's say you hire someone to come in and clean your house, right? 
they'll come mm -hmm. in, maybe they'll charge you 25 an hour. Now let's say you hire a carpet cleaning company. All they do is come in and clean your carpet. You know you're paying at least two or $300 for that carpet cleaning, but they're, you're, they're gonna walk out of there and you're gonna feel like you have a brand new carpet, right? Because that's the only thing they do. They have all the tools for it. They have all the equipment, they, they're specialized. Mm -hmm. They'll get all those stains out, right? But a general house cleaning um, man or woman would not be able to do that. They'll just come in, they'll dust everything. They'll do a great job, but they won't, they won't clean your carpet as well as a carpet cleaning company would. So specialists naturally, they get paid more than generalists. Number two is when you choose one thing, you can level up your expertise at a much faster rate than when you're trying to do a million things at the same time, or you're trying to service 10 different clients or customers in different niches. So because I only work with the healthcare, I know that I have an advantage over other marketers that work with everyone because I know exactly what are the absolute best strategies to get new patients in the door for these guys. Whereas another marketer might have an idea, but they also were busy learning how, what's the best way to get clients for a car dealership and what's the best way to get clients for a restaurant. And you just can't master everything. It's kind of like jack of all trades, master of none, right? So if you want to master something, you need to pick a niche and you need to go all in and become an insider. Number three, that's my number three reason is you become an insider in the industry and that increases trust, that increases your social proof, that increases the level of your branding exponentially when people go on my website the reason why we're called practice fuel is because we work with healthcare practices right like even our name is branded to resonate with our clients whereas if we were just like xyz marketing that doesn't resonate with healthcare professionals mm -hmm. but practice fuel like okay I'm, we're gonna take care of your practice and we're gonna insert some jet fuel and get that thing going uh and skyrocket your success so that's three reasons and there's many more that I can think of, I'm sure, uh, to choose a niche, man. You've talked a lot about money. There's there's one you talked about, you know, being a being an expert and and you know offering a higher ticket service. You've obviously built a business where you're offering a high ticket service. There's a lot of insecurities for a lot of business owners for offering anything that's above, say, you know, fifteen hundred pounds or above two grand for a service. Yeah. How, is, you know, what advice would you give to anyone that wants to overcome that insecurity of, of pricing them at a higher rate or offering anything that's high ticket? That's a really great question, my brother. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's nothing wrong with charging a little less, but it all depends on what kind of brand you're building and what kind of business you want to build and what kind of work you want to do. So right now, I'm not going to say that any person that's charging less than 1500 or 2000 has a bad business. Not at all. If you're doing that, it means you found your customer. They're in that income range that that's what they're trying that's what they want to spend and that's fine that's the business that you've built but there is an advantage in charging high ticket 100 and i'm i totally advocate for it and i tell all of my students that i want you to charge minimum a thousand two thousand pounds or two thousand dollars for your services even when you're starting off and the reason is this it really comes down to math okay when you're charging let's say 500 dollars per client to get to five thousand dollars a month in income level you need to work with 10 clients. And so in turn, you're going to be spread out with your energy, with your attention, with your time, and with your effort. And you won't be able to deliver the, deliver the level of results that someone that charges $5,000 per client, he's working with a single client and making as much money as you, he gets to devote his entire energy and time and attention to making sure that one client gets the best result possible working with them. And that's just one of the reasons why 
charging high ticket makes sense because you don't need to find 10 people to work with you when you charge high ticket to make a living or to make an income or to even to even thrive in your business and grow to that six or seven figure mark mm -hmm. you just need to find a select few people that are a good fit for your services and that will benefit and that see the benefit in working with you and you charging a higher price because there's a lot of people i mean there's a market out there for people that want to pay a higher price because there's a lot of people that understand this and understand that if I pay a low price, naturally, I'm not saying the service that you get will always be lower, but most of the time, the level of service you, you will get is a little bit lower. And even if you don't, it's a subconscious thing. It's just in our subconscious, we're programmed to think that cheaper means lesser quality. And unfortunately, even though that might not always be the case, it's just a subconscious reality that we have to accept and understand when it comes to our branding and our pricing. And so when you charge high ticket, you don't need 10 clients. You don't need 20 clients. You don't need 50 clients. All you need is a select few to work with you. And you're going to be making the same income as someone else that's, that has 10, 20, 50 clients. You're going to be working a lot less. You're going to have more fun in your business. Your clients are going to be happier because they're getting better results because they're getting more attention from you and more focus. And you're going to be able to scale that much easier. Now, one thing that my students kind of bring up and I'll just kind of uh, bring that into the conversation because I, I think our listeners might even bring that up as an objection. All right, that makes sense, Abby, but the problem with that is it's so much harder to get people to pay high prices, right? It's so much harder to find people that are willing to pay high ticket. And I, I don't feel like I deserve to charge that level of pricing. I don't feel like I'm, I'm there yet. Like my, my experience isn't there. My expertise isn't there. I just don't feel like I deserve that yet. And there's, there's a really a simple answer for this. It's, when it comes to who works with you and who doesn't, you have to understand if you've done everything in your power to put your business out there, to tell people about your service, what, what kind of benefit it brings, and that person still does not want to work with you, that person just isn't your client. These people are not your people. And you're just trying to find your clients, your tribe, the people that will resonate with you. And if you charge high ticket, that doesn't have to be a big amount. Like I said, if you charge $500 a month to get to 5K a month, you need 10 clients. If you charge 5K per client, you just need one client. Just find one person that resonates with your message, that benefits from your service, that's going to get awesome results. And all you need to do is be able to close that client and work with them. And so when it comes to also like people thinking like, okay, well, I don't deserve it. Like that makes sense. The math makes sense. You're right. I don't need to find as many people. So just find a select few. But I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I'm experienced enough. I don't feel like I have built up that rep. I'll tell you one thing. It's a lot more, it's a lot harder to start low and increase your prices than it is to just start high. Because if you start low and increase your prices, you've built a brand and you've tailored your messaging around an audience that is willing to pay that amount, whether it's 500, whether it's a thousand, whether it's lesser or more. And so when you start to increase your prices, your audience that you've built up over the years naturally will have a strong aversion to that action, right? Like if we think of companies that we're used to that charge a certain amount and then they suddenly up their prices, right? Like we get a message from our internet uh, company or our phone bill, like, hey, we're increasing your thing by like $5, even though it's a small, tiny amount, like we get furious, right? And, we, and how dare they, right? Because they've already told us, this is what I'm charging you. And now they wanna up their prices. And so it's very difficult. You have to understand if you're starting a business and or if you're doing business and you're like, all right, I'm gonna start low and gradually increase, you're really hurting yourself. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because 
it's going to be so much harder to then reposition yourself as a high level, high luxury brand. And so the best thing that you can do is just start up there. And even though you might not feel like you have the expertise, all you need to think about is this. Can I help my clients achieve the result that they want? Can I help them get to where they want to be? Right. If you can help them get to the result, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It doesn't even matter if you don't have any experience. If you can help your client achieve the result that they're looking for, then they deserve, then you deserve to get paid the money that you're charging. What if it's not, what if it's not something tangible? What if it's not something like, for example, you know, for in, in our business, we promise yeah. people, uh, we promise people clients, we promise people a return on investment. What if your business isn't really about return on investment? It, honestly, the same principle applies. And that's what I tell like my coaches. I have coaches in the program. I have consultants in the program. And so the princi principle always applies because in your business, no matter what business you have, you have to understand that you are in the end providing a result for your clients. And if you if you don't see that, then there's a problem in your business and your offering and your service, and you need to go ahead and fix that immediately. And it's what is the end goal that I'm trying to help someone achieve when they work with me? Okay, what am I trying to get them to? And if you're a mindset coach, for example, let's say you work with people that are struggling with their mindset, that are struggling with their confidence, with, with being a high achiever, you need to understand, well, what's the end goal? What's the result? Is it them completely crushing those mindset blocks and, and being free from that anxiety and, and really just being fully themselves and confident in themselves and their ability to go after what they want? If that's what it is, then that's your result and you need to help people get there and that's all you need to do. And so whatever business you have, even, even though you might not say, you might say it's not tangible, it doesn't have to be tangible, but no matter what business you're in, you could be someone selling sandwiches. The result is that person has a sandwich and they they now have a full stomach. I mean, there, any business whatsoever, you're a car dealership, that person now has a car, they're driving off. You're a consultant, that person now has new strategies to increase their growth, to increase their ROI. It doesn't matter what business you're in, you need to understand what kind of result you're bringing to the table. And then can you help people achieve that result? Can you actually deliver on your promise? If you can, then you can charge whatever price you want to charge. It's just all about what kind of business you want to build. There's this other myth as well that I want to try and get rid of for a lot of business owners. Um, and, and it's something that I've you know personally struggled with in the past. I felt like the the idea of of getting a high ticket plan takes long. Mm -hmm. It'll take three to six months to nurture by the time they close a deal. You know, it takes a long time for you to do that. Is that the case? Or can you get a high ticket clan pretty much within the next eight days? That's a really good question, brother. And it's something that I would say, I mean, I wish I could give you a straight answer. And I wish I could tell you, like, guaranteed, you can get a client within a week. But that's one of those scenarios where it really was does depend on your business. Let's say, for example, I know for you, when it comes to property, uh, you're in that property market buying a home is a big decision it's a huge decision and it's usually not something people are going to do within a week like they want to take their time they want to see all their options they want to know exactly what's out there and so that's kind of a business where it might take a little bit more nurturing and so that's why that's even more of a reason why you need to make sure you're charging high tickets so that when you when these clients close you have a means to profitably run your business and not only profitably run your business, but scale effectively. And so if you are, I'll, I'll give you a solution for this. Instead of telling you whether it takes eight days or it does take six months, because it really varies by business. I'll tell you this. If you feel like it's taking too long to close your clients uh, because you charge high ticket and you're not making enough money, then your problem is a pipeline problem. It's not a pricing problem. It means you don't have enough leads coming in and you're, you don't have enough people closing mm -hmm 
at, at, at an often interval to be able to be profitable. So let's say you have a business where you charge high ticket. Your your clients take about three months to close. Well, if you have one client, then you're stuck three months with no income until that client closes. So that's a pipeline problem. It's not a high ticket problem. You need to go ahead and get more leads in the door. You need to understand how to attract more potential customers in your business so that every single week you're closing deals that you've started you've planted the seeds for three months in advance or two months in advance. Mm. So it's that that's pretty much a pipeline issue and you need to look at your pipeline. And that's why we spoke about ads. I think it's an awesome strategy. Test it up. Perfect. I, I Just within this conversation, I think there's so many questions that have been answered for a lot of the business owners out there. Well, I want to move on to something that's more about purpose. I think I feel sure. like at some point everyone wants to give back. Why is it important for you to give back as an individual? 100% man. This is exactly why I started my second business. So I first started with Practice Fuel, which was a marketing agency. And uh, we really worked with healthcare professionals and we were kind of doing the work for our clients and it was a service-based business. And I'm really thankful. And I thank God that we saw awesome success with this and it's been growing uh, at a very steady and profitable rate. And then I'm like, okay, what's the next step? What can I do after this? Because I felt like I wanted to contribute a little bit more. I wanted to feel like I was giving a little bit more. And I truly believe that every person, once they get to a level where they're profitable in their business, they're they're crushing it, they're having a, a good run and, and they're able to really successfully do something, whether it's a business, whether it's, again, uh, maybe something just like overcoming your anxiety or overcoming your mindset issues or uh, just having an awesome relationship. I mean, that's what coaches and consultants are about. They're people that have overcome these things or have learned how to overcome them and help other people do the same. And I think when it comes to contributing, really the thing that makes us feel most rewarded is being able to impact someone else in a positive way. And that's the reason why I started that whole coaching program uh, for Muslim entrepreneurs is to really help give back in terms of what I learned starting my own business and getting it up and running and profitable to help other people do the same. And when I see that, when I see my students, I mean, hitting milestones and getting their first clients and they're posting and they're so excited because they've achieved something. And I know I've contributed to that achievement. That feels so much better uh, than getting a few patients in the door for uh, a client. Not that, not that that doesn't feel good. It feels awesome. But when I can feel like, man, that's such a, it makes such a difference in their lives and it really contributes on a high level, that really makes a difference. And I think in the end, all of us at some point in our lives, we start to realize that the best thing that really makes us feel good is contribution. I mean, in the end, you can work all you want. You can do whatever business or whatever uh, project you want to do. But if it doesn't contribute, if it doesn't have an impact, it's really hard to feel fully fulfilled. I mean, I'm, I'm not bashing anyone that maybe has business that doesn't contribute yet. I started when I just had an agency and I didn't contribute for a long time. I mean, we did with, with our clients, but I didn't start coaching until I really, I really thought of, okay, now I'm at a point where I know I've achieved something that other people are trying to achieve and how can I help others do the same thing? And when, when you're at that point in your life, and it could be for anything in your life, it could be for business. Again, it could be for mindset, relationships, anything in your life that you feel like you've overcome an obstacle, you've achieved something that other people want to achieve and you can help others do the same, then I think you're kind of doing yourself and other people a disservice by not putting that value and and, and putting that contribution out there and helping others. Because I mean, that's how we make the world a better place. I know it sounds a little bit corny, but I mean, that's really how we impact the world positively. It's just by changing a few lives around us, one life at a time, that's how we make the difference. I know you you mentioned that, you know, 
it's about getting yourself a little success and then helping other people do it. But you're helping a, a lot of individuals and I'm a part of your community as well. And I've seen some of the work that you do. You're helping a lot of people turn their skills into a, into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one identify the right skill that's profitable for them? Because I think this is super important for other people to understand. We can have a lot of skills, like you know, all have skills, but how do you identify 100%. Is it profitable and who is it profitable for? Because you yeah. might not know yet. How do you identify those things with your clients? That's a really good question. And that's pretty much what the first uh, week in our program is all about. So we have a six week program and that's what I take my students through. Usually it lasts a lot longer because uh, students kind of learn at a different pace. Uh, but the first week, the first ma- material that we, that we tend to go through is always about finding that offer finding your business idea and it's all about finding that service that you can provide to others that when that will not only be profitable for you that will create an awesome business but that is something that you can help others with and you can contribute in your own way using your own skills your own knowledge things that you've overcome in your life and you've achieved and so if i were to just kind of summarize real quick how we do this we get people to really dive deep and brainstorm and think to what are their past experiences in their life. And I'll really get them to think about all of their past experiences, not only work experience when it comes to what kind of jobs you had um, or your academic experience, but also your life experience. And that's something that a lot of people ignore. A lot of people think that their experiences and what they can offer is limited to their job expertise, right? Like, okay, well, I've been working in marketing all my life, so I guess I I can do marketing. But a lot of times you might ignore the fact that you're the person that everyone around you comes to when they're feeling a certain way or when they're feeling down and they need they just need someone to listen they need they need some help overcoming a certain obstacle and you could be a great mindset coach or you could be a great relationship coach or you can help people overcome their anxiety or even a million other things i mean I'll, there is someone that i know that helps people overcome uh pornography addiction and we, we know honestly it's a real even though it might be a taboo subject it's a very real thing in our society and that's an idea that if you didn't really think about it, I mean, there's no jobs in pornography addiction. So you really have to think deep about, okay, how can I help others using my own experience, what I've already helped others do that might seem very small in my life. But if you think back, I mean, if you were able to impact someone else positively, that means you can probably do that on a massive scale. So we really get people to think about, okay, what's, what did I do in my life? What kind of experiences that I have? What do people come to me for advice? Why do they come to me for advice? What are they trying to get from me? And really dive deep into all of these aspects and think hard about what kind of person they are and how the people around them see them. What kind of abilities do they have? What's their superpower? And then we build a business based on that. See, see, here's the thing. Like for people like me and you, it's easy for us to help our clients identify their, you know, their, you know, their profitable passion, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the challenge I face is, is getting them to believe in themselves. Yes. Hey, my man, you just cut up there. Uh, can you nah, just repeat that last question? Yeah. Yeah. So just to repeat that last question. So a lot of people um, talk about, you know, actually, let me come back a bit. So when we might see the potential in someone, we see someone and we think, okay, this person will be amazing. At, for example, I have a friend, 
she's an amazing project manager. She works in, in, in law firm or she yeah. works in the department. She could create her own project management program and tailor it to the third sector or tailor it to business owners or tailor it to people in general because she's super organized and she's great at it. But yeah. she doesn't see she doesn't see that that can actually turn it into that can actually turn into a business. Is it worth convincing that person, or is like what what would you say? will help that person actually start believing in themselves? That's a really good question, brother. And it's something that I face with my students as well and with people that I talk to. I would say the biggest objection when it comes to people joining the program or um, really starting this whole venture of, of creating a business out of their own skills and their own knowledge and their own experiences uh, and creating an offer based on that is always, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. That's always the biggest objection. It's I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I don't I don't feel like even though I've helped so many people in the past, I don't feel like I can, I can help others. I don't know what kind of value I can give. And the truth the truth is this: you can't really force someone to do anything in life. Like I'm sure we've all experienced that before. We have people around us where we want them to do something that we know is going to benefit them tremendously. Like we have that person around us that we want to eat healthy because you know we know they just they just got to fix that or we we want that person to you know, maybe get up and, and exercise or do something else because, you know, they might be putting their health at risk. But unless that person feels like they're ready to take on that adventure, to take on that challenge, there's nothing that you can do to force that person. Even if you succeed in kind of convincing, I would say, it, it really convincing that person, they might do it for a day or two, but then they'll stop. Why? Because that, that belief isn't there. And I think that belief is a key aspect of being able to, go at this whole business thing, this whole entrepreneurship thing, and then rolling with the punches because it is hard, it is difficult, it does take work. No one here is saying that it, I, that it's easy. And so you need to believe that you deserve it and that you can do it. And so all we can do as mentors, as people that want to help others is to try to help people see the light within themselves. But if they're not ready to see that light just yet, there's no way that you can force it. So all you can do is try your best to have them see the light. But if they're not ready, no, no, they're not ready, but we, we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying to make that happen. Um, so if, if someone if someone brings me that objection, I try to show them all the reasons why they can do it. But then if after that, if they still don't believe it, there's nothing. There's I mean, it just means it's not the right time, and hopefully they'll come around. Mm, no, I totally agree. Uh, but here's you know, but there's a lot of especially in your business, and I used to do something very similar to yourself, helping people sort of package their passion up and, and try and sell it. Are we creating too many coaches and consultants? Are there, will there ever be enough trainers, mentors, courses out there in the world? You know, is that something that you know we're eventually going to face? Is it going to be a saturated market, or it, or is it, or is it always profitable for people? That's a really good question, and my answer is very simple. It's that there is such a thing as, uh, and I think Tony Robbins talks about that, and a few other people talk about that, and it's really having an abundance mentality is that if you have a scarcity mentality where you feel like there's too much competition out there and there's too many other people doing what you're trying to do, um, then chances are you're not going to believe that you can do it and you're not going to take the action necessary to do it. Whereas if you have an abundance mentality and you understand that there is enough clients out there for everyone to have a piece of the pie, there is enough people out there that could work with a million different coaches and there's still going to be more people available then you're going to do what's necessary to succeed. And I'll tell you this very simply is that there are a lot of interest industries that are more competitive than others. And, and we in business, there's a term for that. There's red ocean, blue ocean. Okay, so red ocean is basically going into a 
business domain or uh, an industry that is already packed full with competitors. Okay, and that's Red Ocean. And it is much more difficult to start a business in a red ocean. It's much more difficult to get started and to be profitable. But starting in a blue ocean is much easier. Usually, usually you'll have a much better time. So my advice is this. We spoke about niche a little earlier in the call. Okay, and we spoke about the importance of that. I think a great way to overcome that issue when it comes to market saturation is really to niche down super specific on who you serve. And that's going to help you really get focused on your customers, your clients. It's gonna help you resonate with those people much more. And it's gonna help you build your business the way that you want to and work with the people that you want to. So instead of looking at it in a way where, yeah, there's there's a hundred coaches out there or, or you know a million coaches out there, a million consultants, I'm sure there are, and I'll tell you that, most of them are generalists. So when you go out there and you start a consulting or a coaching business or whatever business you want to start, but you say, okay, I'm going to work with this specific type of person. We're going to niche down and work with these type of clients, and we're going to make sure that we tailor all of our branding and our services to these clients and get them awesome results. Then usually, just by working with a few clients, getting those testimonials in, you can start and profitably grow your business. And so it's all about niching down when it comes to working in a very competitive market. Um, yeah, <laughs> again, you know, the reason why I've asked you these questions is typically I, I've kind of neglected um, different sides of my business for a lot of time. Um, I've neglected the mentoring side or the, the consultancy side purely in the back of, okay, I don't think it's credible enough, so I need to build an agency. That was, right. you know, that was always a thought for me. Um, the other sort of objection I had was, you know, I was in the personal development industry for a little while. Um, and there were so many people, but the, I wasn't making the impact that I wanted to make. As a coach and as a consultant, how do you get past that barrier? How do you know that you're truly making an impact and they're not just going around in circles? Because there's, there's a sort of habit of people just buying courses from one person and buying it from another one and then and so on and so forth. That we become course junkies. How do you get past that barrier of not finding those sort of clients and finding the people who are actually you actually are going to make an impact with that's a good question brother and i'd say it all falls onto that's really it falls onto how how you prospect and how you brand yourself i would say branding and, and you're you're a personal branding expert branding fall, it plays a huge part into who you attract when it comes to your clients right so that's a reason why in terms of our agency we're practice fuel our logo is and our colors are all blue which is really the healthcare color and everything is tailored for healthcare it's because the branding itself will only resonate with these type of customers and so the branding is one part it definitely has to resonate with your niche with those clients that you attract you want to have to make sure that that's who it resonates with and number two it's the way that you prospect the way that you're attracting clients so you can't go out there and just kind of cast an open fishing net where you catch any type of fish, you have to be very specific and you have to know what bait works for who you're trying to catch, right? Just like if you're expert fishermen, don't go out there with a giant net trying to catch everything. They know, okay, I'm trying to catch salmon today and this is the bait that I need to use. So let me go ahead and use that. And so that's what you're gonna, be, you're gonna need to do in your business as well. And I think, again, I, would, I hate to bring it back to ads, but ads is such an efficient way to do this because you can just go in the Facebook ad platform. You can be like, all right, listen, I want people between the age of 25 to 45 men living in this city that are interested in this thing or that have graduated from so-and-so college or that have worked in this industry or that 
enjoy this TV show or that play this type of game. And so there's there's no there there's a more powerful way to directly reach your audience and reach your niche. That's outside of Facebook ads. Um, so I think that's a really effective strategy when it comes to your prospecting. And that, the second thing is your branding. If you have these two things uh, really tight knit, then you're naturally going to attract the people that you know they're the right fit and they're going to be the ones that will get the most out of working with you. Okay, no, I appreciate that. I think there's, I think there's so much value. I, I'm, you know, you don't have to sell to me. Like I'm, when it comes to personal branding, it's super important uh, to yeah. have that in place. Hundred percent. When it comes to ads, how targeted should you be? Should you be super targeted on especially Facebook ads, or should you be still a bit broad enough to get enough attention? You know, what's the best way to position your your ad? That's a really good question. I would say start broad and then slowly narrow down just like in any other business venture anything that you're starting if if you start too narrow then then you're really limiting your options and you won't know what works so i would say best advice i can give you start broad and then you can see inside of facebook is going to tell you these these people are converting these people are signing up to your offer and then once you have a number of people that signed up let's say 30 40 or 50 people that signed up gave you their information you can just go and tell Facebook, okay, I want more people that are the same as the ones that signed up. These 50 people, give me more of these people, whatever they're interested in, whatever they like, that's why I want to advertise to. And so I think the best thing is to start a little, a little bit more broad initially, and then you want to find out, okay, who am I attracting? Okay, and then based on who you're attracting, you might think that, okay, you need to, for example, target people who graduated from so-and-so place or who are interested in so-and-so thing, but it might be something completely different. And it might still be getting you the, the exact clients that you're looking for. So I would say start broad, cast a bit of a wider net at first, um, even though it should still be within your niche. So let's say, again, you serve 25 to 45 men or women in a certain city, start there. And then based on that, look at, okay, if I narrow down to this interest or if I narrow down to uh, this area or this zip code, uh, what kind of clients am I getting? Is this working? So it's all about testing, but definitely always start broad and then narrow down as you go. I appreciate that, I appreciate that. Now to do to jump on more to the personal side of you, what is one thing that makes you different from everyone else as an individual? What would you say is your sort of like, I don't know, you wanna call it um, your gift, you wanna call it your, um, your magic trick? I don't know what, you know, there might be different words for it, but what's the one thing that makes you really different as an entrepreneur? Man, that's a really, really good question. And uh, I'll be honest, the first thing that I think of when you ask me that, it's like, you know, um, I've never actually really thought of that. I haven't taken the time to for myself to just take a break and think of that. So it's a really interesting question and a powerful question that you're asking me. And I love that. If If I were to say what comes off the top of my head, I would say what I've shown myself over the last two, three years of, of being in business is my ability to keep going even though i'm not seeing any results and and i feel like that's a that's somewhere that a lot of people kind of get stuck at which is they'll start something they'll start a project they'll start a business and they're not seeing results and they'll immediately give up and they'll immediately stop and, and switch to something else uh, but that's when your dedication your commitment to doing what you do is truly tested and i personally one thing i'm proud of is the fact that when i started that agency I wasn't seeing any results for the first five months. Like I wasn't getting any clients. I wasn't making any money. I had quit my job and it was like, I was in, I was in a bad place and I just kind of kept going and kept fighting every single day. And then eventually I finally broke through and 
got to a, an, an awesome place uh, where we're, we're making that six and figure mark. So now in terms of my other business, my coaching business, it's kind of the same thing where initially it's a bit slow and we're still working with a small amount of students, but it's all about con continuing to fight through and continuing to put your message out there because nothing that you do will work out at first. I mean, unless you're, you fall on some sort of lucky business idea or, or we talked about blue ocean, red ocean, like a completely blue ocean strategy where you build a business and it's never been done before and there's a huge need for it. Unless you do that, you're going to have a hard time when you're first starting off. And so one important thing to remember is your commitment and the reason why you started it in the first place. And so I'd say that's kind of my superpower in terms of just, I keep going. I keep knocking on that door no matter how long it takes until it finally breaks through, man. That's pretty much what I'm What's been your biggest sort of, you know, challenge? You know, everyone's gone through something in their life. What's been what's been the thing that has kind of shaped you who you are as an individual? Because, you know, we, we don't become leaders, we don't become someone without having to experience some level of adversity. So what's For what's sure. your biggest adversity? Oof. That's a good question, brother. Um I would say that it's definitely what I just spoke of a little bit earlier, which is that those first five months. Because that was my first I would say kind of business where I truly struggled because I had started, we talked about when I was 16, I started that website. I mean, as soon as I put it out there, I started to see a little bit of traffic coming in. I was super happy and I start, I, I saw something happening and it was kind of the same thing when I started um, my media company, which was like a, a troubleshooting website um, when I was around 19 and I started seeing traffic pretty quickly and it started growing pretty quickly, which is awesome. Whereas with my agency, with my marketing, um and with practice fuel it took us a bit of a while before we started getting traction and i would say that was really one of the hardest periods it was because again i had i was really confident that it was going to work out instantly and that we were just going to crush it i was super confident in our business idea and our service and i was really sure that we were going to go ahead and get clients and so i just quit my job and went all in and for about five months time we weren't making any income whatsoever and so that was a major struggle. And that's where truly I would say that my mindset was tested to its very limit. Like that's really where I had to kind of package up all my grit and just all my courage and all my commitment and just keep trucking forward. And because I overcame that and I finally got to a point where the business is profitable and it's growing, I now have this belief in me and kind of this reassurance that no matter what, I have a confidence in my ability to figure it out. I know that no matter what kind of adversity I face, no matter how much or how long it takes for us to, you know, start up something or a new project or get going with some, something that we're passionate about, eventually I know that I'll be able to get there because I figured it out before, even though I was in a really hard place and in a dark place. And that's kind of giving me the confidence that I'll be able to figure it out again if I need to. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, how did you how did you get your first client? It was completely through organic strategy. So when I was first starting off, again, we didn't have like didn't have enough money to advertise myself. Uh, so I was like, okay, how can I how can I go ahead and, and start organic and then once make I'm making a bit of money in that business to start advertising and and scaling mm -hmm. that way. And so I had to go full guerrilla marketing and just reach out to a bunch of people organically. And the way that I went about it is I would connect with all of these health, health professionals on LinkedIn, on Facebook, constantly sending friend requests. 
and messaging them, telling them about my service and asking them if they need help with their marketing, if they're looking for new patients. And I'm sure for people listening, if you're a certain business professional, you've probably got uh, 100 messages from marketers trying to sell you something. I was one of these guys at some point just hustling and constantly messaging and adding new people and kind of going that organic strategy where it's just completely free method, but it takes time, it takes work. And once I got a few clients that way and I broke through, that's when I was able to scale uh, with ads and, and really just kind of automate the whole process and, and make it a lot easier. But or at first it was really just that I tried cold calling. It wasn't for me. I'm not too great at it. So I, I, I stuck with Facebook and LinkedIn. That was really the strategy that I adopted. Oh, no, I appreciate that. I think it's, it's, it's like, you know, people often assume that, you know, um, that we, we get business, you know, just through, you know, people make it sound as easy yeah. as it is, but it's easy. You know, sometimes you do have to put that work in. I want you to ask you what what is what is one thing that nobody knows about you? And this is a this is a trick question. It's not a trick question, but someone <laughs> that puts a lot of people on the spot because like, yeah, oh definitely. crap, I've never really thought about that. But what's one thing that nobody knows about you? Oh man, that's yeah. You're definitely putting me on the spot here. If I were to think on the top of my head, um, I actually love playing piano. That's something that no one really knows that I've never put out there, but I'm a huge piano player. I've never taken courses myself, but it's something that I'm super passionate about. When I play, it just puts me in a different zone, in a different mindset completely, and really just calms my entire being. And I feel completely connected to that instrument. And it really like has an effect on me that I, I have trouble uh, describing. And that's something that not a lot of people know. So I love playing piano. Uh, I try to play at least once a week, usually a bit more. Uh, and I have one right beside me right now. I don't know if I can show it to you right here. And I'm just super passionate about that thing, man. I mean, I absolutely love it. I love playing it. And even though I don't take courses, um, I, I can definitely safely say that I'm, I'm pretty good at it. So <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to brag, but I don't think that I'm It's awesome. It's something that not all people know. So that's a, that's a trick question, but I'm happy I, I could come up with something for you. You know, it's the you know I always want to learn the piano as well, and it's on my list of things to do. I just haven't got around to it. I don't own one yet, so you know, eventually, I think in the future when I've got a bit more time, I'll, I'll definitely knuckle down and, and learn how to play it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near as great as you are, but because I, <laughs> I remember, I remember doing like you know, a, like a year of uh, doing it in school, but that's all I remember doing it. Um, last question: you you've you've gone and accomplished everything in life. You've you've got everything you needed to, you uh, in life. You've built the successful business. You've made an impact. You've you know you've kind of left your legacy. You've you've done everything you wanted to do. Have kids, family, retire, whatever it is that you want to do. What are, and and now you've done all of that. You're kind of going to your grave, and you've got someone who comes up to you and says, "What are your three truths about life?" Uh, and and that's pretty much it. Like, what's what's your three truths? You, you just got a, a tissue paper, uh, you know, a piece of paper in your hand, and and you have to write the three truths down. What do you think is that's for you? Oof. Okay, I'll I'll try to I'll try to go at this uh, off the top of my head. Um, I would say number one, it's a, it's a huge lesson that I've learned over the years, and it's if you start something, finish it. Um, really, that's such an important thing to adopt. If you start something, no matter what you face, no matter what adversity you face, no matter what trouble you face, if you start something finish it. That's just a very simple principle. And I think that's going to get you so much further in life. Um, the second thing is always remember what's most important to you. So a lot of times we get distracted with 
you know, our business and, 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 you know, the way things are going in terms of our income level and, and, and it's normal. I mean, it's, this is our sustenance. It's, 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 it's how we make a living, but it's always time to, it's very important to remember what's important to you and to make time for that, even though it's evenings, weekends, whatever it is that you can squeeze in, but it's important to remember that. So number one, if you start something, finish it. Number two, always remember what's important. And I would say number three is always seek to give before you ask. So always seek to give first, whoever it is that you deal with, whoever it is that you interact with, whoever it is that you do business with, always get, seek to give first. And then if ever you need something back, you ask. But the first thing that you need to seek in terms of any person that you meet in life is just seek to give, seek to contribute, seek to give value and impact their life in a positive way. That would be three that I think off the top of my head right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You, you did pretty well. Actually, most people kind of struggle with this question. So you've yeah. done pretty well with the question. So yeah, I definitely appreciate that. Um, awesome. Thank you. Um, it's been it's been super valuable to have you uh, on this podcast. How can people find out about you? It's been wonderful, man. Honestly, I just want to say thank you. It's been an honor and it's honestly been this conversation has been amazing and it's even given me so much insight just by these these really important questions that you asked. So uh, in terms of finding me, you guys, uh, you can actually reach out to me on Facebook, Abby Alasmar, just send me a friend request. Most likely I'll accept. I'm open to that. So A-B-B-Y-E-L-A-S-M-A-R. Um, and if you want to follow my brands, we have Ummarpreneur. Uh, you can just Google us. We have our website. We have our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Or you can, if you're interested in Practice Fuel, which is our marketing agency, go ahead and Google that as well. PracticeFuel.io is our website where we help health professionals with marketing. You connect with me through all these different platforms. Uh, if you want to connect with me specifically, Facebook is your best bet, and I'll make sure to reach out. Perfect. Thanks very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and, and hopefully I look forward to meeting you in person someday. Um, yes, I, I definitely likewise. enjoyed that. I've definitely enjoyed our conversations and hopefully when I do get a chance to get to Canada, I'll, I'll definitely give you a shout out. 100% I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Take care guys. Bye.